0: Good morning, everyone. Greet you in Jesus' name. You may turn with me to Second Peter. And I'll share with you first the, uh, the greeting that Peter gave in that epistle of Second Peter. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And what strikes me there is multiplied, not incrementally uh, metered out in small spoonfuls one at a time, but multiplied unto you. That is what God is offering, abundance. Lavished on you is the way one translation puts it. And this is not just a, a good wish or wishful thinking on the part of Peter, but the desire of a loving and generous heavenly father, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. <coughs> I remind you that uh, several weeks ago we looked at spiritual ladders in the scripture. Some of you were here at least. Passages of scripture constructed with uh, steps that lead from one to another and uh, indicating that progress in one, in one area will lead to progress in another. I want to talk about that a little more uh, at some point later. The first ladder that we looked at was not a ladder we want to go on. It is a bad ladder in Romans 1. It's a Romans ladder down. And it describes, uh, as we noticed with the other ladders, a starting point. And in Romans 1, it is when they knew God. When they knew God. And then uh, in that chapter, it follows a, a progression of a... Of a uh, people, God, ungodly people, down. When they knew God, they did not acknowledge Him as God. They did not thank and worship Him. They they um, grabbed hold of their own wisdom and their own thoughts, as opposed to God, God's wisdom and God's thoughts. Thoughts. They worshipped idols. Instead of God, they followed the lusts of their own heart, uh, quite contrary to God's holy standards, and they became reprobates. A, uh, a, an alarming uh, expression there, God gave them up to, uh, to a debased mind, to their, to their wickedness a uh, discri- a depressing ladder to look at. One that goes down. Then there is a Romans ladder that goes up and that's in Romans 5. We looked at that. Uh, again, Paul established a starting place and, and said that we... We uh, can learn through tribulations and sufferings that brings patience, endurance, and that brings experience, uh, which in the, uh, he's speaking there of a spiritually mature character, and that brings hope that does not disappoint. All of this in the context of God's love, God's Spirit poured out in our heart, which is the foundation of our relationship with God. And now we want to look, we, we just uh, referred to it, touched on it. We want to look at the latter in 2 Peter 1, and we'll read the, uh, the first 11 verses. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God in our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things, Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, Ye shall, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well the latter is just a few verses there uh, beginning with verse 5. but notice again that he describes a foundation. He establishes that we we need to have a foundation, a place to start from. And he begins in verse one, describing that as a like precious faith, a faith like he has for one in Christ and through Christ, that we can have grace and peace. But beginning with faith, a precious faith, a grace and peace through faith. And like we noticed before in the greeting, uh, not uh, not metered out in little spoonfuls, but multiplied to you. So the foundation is laid by our faith. That's that's our part. According as, and we notice two things, the power of God and the promises of God. According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises divine power, promises that are great, exceedingly great, and precious. And they are given, that is offered to us in, so that we can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust, through sinful desires, and that we can be partakers of, of the divine nature, escaping the world and the, its corruption, and and the corruption that it has that has happened to us, and being partakers of the divine nature, the power of God. God, the the, uh, Redeemer, not only forgives us, but he delivers us and protects us from sin and from the evil one. This is the, the spiritual life that Jesus gives us. This is the spiritual power that changes a life, the indwelling spirit of God, the faith union and communion that we have with God. In John 1, John wrote, but as many as received him, to them gave he power, that power there is, the right to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, of the powerful work of God in a person of faith. And this power, this power makes the promises that God gives certain and and sure. Without the power of God, without God being almighty, the promises that God offers are only good intentions that He would try to carry out. They they would be largely empty if God had no power. Like like political campaign promises have a bad reputation because they're often uh, empty, but with the power of Almighty God, His promises are yea and amen, like Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, for all the promises of God in Him are yea and in Him amen unto the glory of God. And then in verse three, he says that God, through his power and his promises, offers, uh, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. That God offers to us everything that is essential, for life and for God, for spiritual life and godliness. Everything we need. We can't say that God gave us an assignment but didn't give us any tools to work with, to do it. You remember, I had to think of the, uh, the Hebrew slaves in Egypt when Moses came to deliver them and how that actually uh, At the the start, it made life more rough for them. Pharaoh got angry and he ordered that the the slaves not only make their quota of bricks each day, but that they gather their own straw. That was very unreasonable. They were already uh, maxed out, putting out all the effort they could. It was unjust, it was unfair, it was harsh. And imagine how frustrating and frightening that was. There are people that approach the Bible and approach the Christian life that way. And they see the demands of God. They see the, uh, the word of God. They think about God's holiness. And they try to do. They try to be Christians, but they don't get anywhere because they're doing it only in their own effort. They haven't availed themselves of the tools. They haven't availed themselves of the grace of God. So, God offers to us His power, His promises. That's all the foundation, part of the foundation, becoming a Christian. And then Peter leads us to the ladder. And besides this, he says in um, in verse 5. giving all diligence, add. besides this, besides all this foundation, this is the starting place. And besides this, we need to give all diligence to add, make every effort to, uh, to supplement your faith, to build on your faith, and grow in Christ. And then he, uh, mm. he starts up the ladder. <clears throat> mm. And beside this, giving all diligence Add to your faith virtue. And the virtue is moral excellence. It is godly character that comes with a a godly life. It is the godly, uh, the godly living that comes from following and obeying Christ. So as we, uh, as we believe in God, as we trust in Christ and surrender our lives to Him and His Spirit works in us, we obey. We become. We choose to do. God's Spirit gives us grace to do. And the result is is good fruit. Growing fruitfulness, that's virtue. And he says further that to virtue, we're to add knowledge. So we read the Bible. We study the Bible. We listen to messages. We watch godly people. We learn about God. We learn about his provisions and His promises, which we claim by faith. Uh, The power and the promises that we were reading about a little bit ago. We learn about His will for holy living. We learn the truth about sin and judgment. We come to understand that it really is true. That following Christ is the very best life. And we come to understand in a in a deeper way that the wages of sin is death and destruction. And we want to choose Christ and life. And we apply what we learn to our lives. So to virtue and knowledge, and there's so much So much to learn, so much to learn. And then third, to knowledge, he says, add temperance, which is self-control. We obey, God's spirit works in obedient people of faith. We restrain ourselves, it is a spirit directed, a spirit controlled life. In other words, the flesh is managed by a mind that is controlled by the spirit. Flesh is not the manager of this person. the the sinful people uh, the the sinful people in uh, the depraved people in Romans 1 they were completely managed by their flesh a carnal Christian succumbs too often to his flesh to pride and sinful desires. A a victorious Christian is following the Spirit. He is walking in the Spirit. And his life, his body, is controlled by a Spirit-directed mind. And to temperance, he says, number four, Add patience. And that is endurance. The endurance to slog on by God's grace through difficult times. Carlin <coughs> uh, was describing this morning in Sunday school class, um, well, he didn't go into detail, but he made it clear that he has gone through some pretty difficult times. He endured. He is enduring. With an eye on the goal, with an eye on the prize, consistency, ongoing, step after step after step. Right choice, after godly choice, after godly choice. Consistency, ongoing, enduring, patience. And to patience add godliness. Becoming more Christ-like the way Christ is. There's a devotion to God. There's a fear of God, a reverence for God. This character is being molded by God. As he lives right, chooses right, learns right, devotes himself, and to God in us add brotherly kindness, affection for others. And to brotherly kindness, number seven, add charity. And this is the Christian agape love, the divine love of God that First Corinthians describes. <clears throat> So, he mentions virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. And I want to explain here, now, that these, these rungs, these steps up this ladder aren't necessarily like um, a ladder that we do number one. And when we do number one to the complete fullest, then we're ready to go to number two. And when that is completed and we've completely mastered number two, that we're ready to take step number three and so forth up the ladder. And, and while there is a sense that these characteristics are built one on another, and that's the way he presents it, they appear to be given to be understood that way. And they are ordered from more basic to more advanced, But there's a measure of each of these characteristics even before we take the first step. If the foundation is laid, the ladder is there. We just need to climb it and grow in each of those rungs. And I believe as we we grow in spiritual virtue, that all of the other virtues, all of the other graces are growing as well, simultaneously, as we grow toward uh, greater sanctification and more Christ-like character. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, it says this, Paul wrote this, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changing into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. From glory to glory from one degree to another a higher degree to a higher degree and greater and higher That's why I like the uh, ladder or stairway uh, metaphor here. Mm -hmm. Now let's skip verse 8 for a bit and go to verse Mm 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and and hath forgotten that he was purged from his own old sins. So uh, there are Christians (coughs) that begin. They begin. There was faith. There was forgiveness, cleansing. And they started on their way. But they lack these graces, they are weak. In these graces. And maybe they kind of, instead of brightening and growing, they're uh, becoming more dull and less obvious. It affects spiritual vision. They're seeing only. What's close at hand, they're not looking farther. They're not learning. And what they do see, they're not seeing very clearly. They have forgotten their deliverance. At some point, it becomes erased from their mind. It becomes oblivious to them. They're going the wrong way. So deep, daily gratefulness for salvation begins to slip to being just taken for granted. I'm I'm saved. I was baptized. I'm a member of this church but there's not the deep, daily gratefulness for salvation. It becomes unappreciated and then forgotten. And the growth of spiritual qualities is stunted, then stops, and slowly shrivels up. And other carnal and ungodly characteristics began to surface more easily and began to become more prominent. And finally, and in this process, he's weak and he's stumbling and he is at serious risk for a a bad fall. That's what the ninth verse is describing to us. Let's go back to verse eight. For if these things be in you, these these graces that we just talked about, these rungs, for if these things be in you and abound, they make that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have these qualities and they are growing and are increasing in quality, the more productive, the more useful we become. They'll keep us from being unproductive and barren and unfruitful in our relationship with Jesus Christ. In the tenth verse, he says, Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fail. Never fall, I'm sorry. It's a sign of spiritual health, these graces. There is spiritual strength in the face of trials and of temptations. Peter says, remember to be diligent in spiritual things. It should be a a chief business of ours, a great interest of ours a deep concern of ours. And if we are diligent, like he describes, if we are sincere and we are earnest, what is the likelihood of our falling? What did he say? Does it make any difference? Is there just less chance? A smaller chance? He says, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. And remember, uh, he says, he wrote that everything we need is offered to us and is available to us, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the power and the promises are not just for the foundation, but therefore for climbing the ladder too, for developing in each of those godly graces and godly characteristics. And and Peter had climbed far. This was near the end of his life. And he knew what he was talking about. I am still very much a student. I have a great deal to learn. But let's be diligent, he calls to us. And besides this, in verse five, besides this, giving all diligence. And in verse 10, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Certainly not saving ourselves, but in doing our part. Like we see in Hebrews four, verse 11 let us therefore strive to enter that rest that no one may fall by this kind of disobedience that the Hebrews uh, disobeyed. And Jesus said, strive to enter through the narrow door And Paul wrote in Philippians, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Effort, our effort, our devotion, our choices, our priorities, our time with the Lord. And in verse 11, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May God help us to grow in our understanding of the power and the promises of God. May God help us to grow in our practical living and availing ourselves of the promises and the power of God. That our lives could be a blessing to one another, a testimony to lost people, and bring glory to God. Shall we have a closing song?